Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton of Linksfield Shul, and it is a privilege and an honor to be here with you on this Tuesday, the 28th of Adar and the 1st of March. Hoping that you're well. Obviously, doing this live, doing it um, six days into a atrocious um, war taking place in Ukraine. And I start off today's show by giving a prayer. That there should be peace. There should be peace for everybody. That these kinds of war and any kind of war, stuff that we never thought we would see again in our lifetime, especially not in areas that have been soaked in blood for centuries and millennia, that all war should stop all over the world. All hatred, all othering should stop. So, you know, getting ready for the show, preparing for the show, trying to send the Fabring, and I, I was asking myself, what words of chizuk, what words of strength can I offer? Can I try to share what's, what's carrying me through? Because let's be honest, nobody knows the future. The only future I'm definite about is that Mashiach will come, that there will be a time of peace. I pray for it every day. I, I hope it's today. I don't know when it's coming, but I know that it is coming. And each day is a day closer. So that's the only thing I know about the future that I can say with 100% certainty. Anything else, I cannot say with 100% certainty. Nobody can. Although many of us try to predict the future, it's a favorite pastime of human beings to predict exactly what's going to take place and how it's going to take place. By now, I think we should leave that occupation of ours and put it aside because <laughs> our predictions Oh gosh, you know, ask yourself, which of the episodes that took place in, in the last decade or two decades of your life did you predict? Often the stuff that we think will happen never happens, the stuff that we don't even imagine, that's what happens. And I say that specifically, although, you know, I'm focusing my show specifically for the Jews of Ukraine, but I am giving the show over in South Africa. And therefore the context is a bit South African. On that idea of sharing prophecies you know i've been in this country for 12 years and without fail every few weeks every few months i'm seated down by one really sophisticated person who tells me rabbi listen here i've been in this country a long time and i believed in the country I'm telling you, I wasn't one of those who left in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010. But now, now I'm telling you, this country has two years left, three years left, four years left. I cannot tell you how many times I hear it. And you'd think that after 60, 70 years of people predicting the demise of this country and the community, people would stop it. And you would say, you know what, we're wrong. It's not closing down. This community is going to last. This country is going to be okay. No. Thank God there's always a new thing that rises, a new issue. As one of the 
guys over here who's very involved in the Jewish community and, and government, etc. He tells me, every 18 months we have a new crisis to justify why this country's going to the, you know, to the end. It's, the lights are going to go out. And um, predicting the future is something that we should never do. On the contrary, if South Africa has proven for decades and decades that it manages to reinvent itself and keep its soul, don't you think that its history should show that there's what to be confident about? If you'd ask me, as somebody who's proud to have moved to this country, what's the single biggest weakness of the community here? It's that perpetual feeling that many, not all, thank God, but many have, that the other shoe's going to drop. That absolute certainty in the future that this country will end, that there is no future. How many times have I heard in the last few weeks, Rabbi, my kids don't have a future here. How do you know where your kids have a future? Who, who wrote the future for you? Are you talking to fortune tellers? What do you know that I don't know? And if God's talking to you like that, which is awesome, why don't you ask him, you know, for, for, for some blessings for all of us, if, if you have that vision into the future. The point I'm bringing across is, the fir- for me, the first thing that hit me when, you know, this invasion took place last week is, gosh, and I thought this would never happen. I mean, I grew up with the stories of wars in that area. My whole family comes from Ukraine. Six out of my great-grandparents lived in Ukraine. Many are buried in Ukraine, not necessarily in graves and mass graves, or their cemeteries were destroyed, or nobody knows where they are. But from my four grandparents, three out of four were born and lived in Ukraine. So Ukraine is very much my family story. And, you know, thinking about it and me, me realizing that I had assumptions about the future, but I didn't know the future. And there's a very big difference between the two. So I, I want to go in the show and explore various, you know, th- ideas that I'm trying to unpack. Obviously, you know, you're unpacking in the middle of such a tragedy. And first and foremost, our prayer for the victims and for all the people who are in dangerous way and praying for the war to end. While at the same time, sitting over here, just trying to say, okay, what what am I making of all this? What am I living with this? And for me, the first thing is Hashem runs the world, not you and not I. And I'm bringing the South African context because it's very dear to my heart for a community that has this history and has this future that we can all pray for, to not believe in itself based on fantasies or rather doomsday scenarios of the future. We should learn one thing we don't know. Hashem doesn't ask us to live with the future. He asks us to make educated guesses, but if you're making educated guesses based on the past of South Africa, well, think about the people who emigrated in the 70s. Were they right? Or the 80s or 90s or the 2000s or even a few years ago when they were confident that this country doesn't have a future? Were they right? Stop predicting the future, I say to all of us. And rather, learn to live in an uncertain present with faith, with bitachon, 
with knowledge that ultimately it's Hashem's world and He has a bigger plan. And what He told us is not to spend our life thinking what's going to happen. It's not our mandate. It's not what we're here for. You know, I remember reading a statistic that 50% of sport predictions are wrong. In other words, when people say this team will win, this team will lose, 50% are wrong. Which pretty much tells you that if you flip a coin, you have the same percent of getting right as all the professional predictors. Nobody knows the future. But here's one thing we do know. That if Hashem walks with me, then I'll be okay. This is 101.9 Chai FM. I'm going to play a song now called Hold On Tight. It's, it's actually the context of the song is for families suffering infertility. This song came out a few weeks ago. But I believe it's, its context is in any area of your life. Hold on tight. Tomorrow's a better day. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Imagine it so many times. Who is a king? 
for that day A home of our own Home of our own Offered every tear we have Done all there is to do But we know we're not in this alone I know that it's hard to keep waiting So I'll be here with you Holding your hand And together our cries will be
This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson of Linksfield Show. And I just start off with a message that came through. You could message at 34519. Shalom, Rabbi. I'm a first-time caller to you. I believe somehow that every person, Jewish or other, should light a candle to represent their souls and life. God bless everyone to find security and strength and peace. Kindest regards. Kimmy Chantal Sandringham. Thank you for that message. So as spoken about earlier, we're talking about um, the war that's going on in the Ukraine. Obviously, I'm not a political commentator. And as I said, nobody actually knows the future. So claiming that you are a political commentator or not doesn't make actually any difference because nobody knows. But last night I was on a Zoom call together with some of the rabbis and a rabbitson in the Ukraine. One of them was actually a relative, my, my wife's aunt and uncle. And I also have a first cousin that she and her husband are the leaders of the Jewish community in Odessa. I'm sure you've heard that city, that name of that city, uh, if you've been following the news the past week. And you see incredible strength. For me, the, like the one thing that I see in this time is incredible strength of people who know why they're here and what they're doing. You know, they always tell you that conviction, having a why, having a purpose is the strongest of human endeavors. It literally can change the course of your life having a why. And you see it, you see it in the negative. You see, you know, Putin with his grandeur of a big Russia and what that leads a man to do. But you also see it, you obviously see in the Ukrainian resistance, and you see it in the leadership. Leadership not only at a you know, national stage in the Ukraine, but rabbis, rebbitsons, community leaders not willing to leave their community even though they have a passport. You know, when I, when I came to this country, sorry for you know, harping back to local context. So when I would tell people I believe in this country, South Africa, they would say, yeah, Rabbi, you have an American passport. And I would be like, okay, so what? That means you could go. I don't know. I never bought it because if a person's on a mission, then the, whatever passport they have is irrelevant. And seeing friends and relatives of mine and, you know, people who up till a week ago, their life was maybe a bit, you know, out of ordinary. They're living in a Eastern European country. But, you know, each and every one of us has an ordinary not ordinary um, existence, but suddenly their lives are turned upside down and you see their strength and you see that regardless of what passport they have, they're not leaving. They'll be literally the last one to leave their city. I think it, it should be, first of all, an incredible inspiration. Ask ourselves, what would we be willing to sacrifice so much for? Which things in our life do we have such a why? Which things in our life are we literally willing to put our life at risk for? Here are people literally putting their life at risk for their fellow Jew, for the community, helping anybody, 
who reaches out to them, even though they could easily go out. You know, last night at the Zoom, somebody asked my wife's aunt, who's a Rebetzin in Sumy, Ukraine. She's a South African-born uh, woman and lived a good life here. And for some reason decided that Sumy, Ukraine is what's calling her. And she ended up there together with her husband and many kids. And someone asks, okay, so why don't you get out? And like you just see on their face, like, why, why should we get out? The community needs us. Do you know how much strength the community gets from seeing us here? Okay, and then your natural response is very nice. You're offering people strength, but you got to protect yourself, no? And yes, they're doing the best they can to protect themselves under the circumstances, but no, they're not leaving. <laughs> they're not leaving. And you suddenly realize the gift of conviction. Like one of these things that really comes across is like you can almost be jealous of people who know why they're here. They know why they're in this world. They know why they live here. They don't just live here because, I don't know, they just ended up randomly here or because their grandparents emigrated here. They know that that God guides the steps of man and takes us wherever we need to go. And he places us at a, at a certain position. And maybe throughout our life we don't realize why we are here. But then there are certain moments where it just becomes clear. This is why you're here. You know, we're about to go into the Megillah. We're going to read on Purim, just over two weeks, please God. We're going to read the story of Esther, who becomes the, the queen of the Persian king, Ahasuerus. And at some stage, the Jewish people are threatened with, with annihilation. And she gets a message from her cousin, according to other opinions, her husband, Mordechai, who sends a message and says, Esther, go and talk to the king and get him to annul the decree. What's her answer? I haven't been invited for 30 days. The king hasn't called me. I could be put to death. I could be put to death if I show up without an invitation to the king. Talk about chauvinism. And what does Mordechai send back? He says like this. If you're going to be quiet at this time, Salvation and peace and comfort will come to the Jewish people regardless, Mordechai says, because God is going to save them. But you and your father's house will go down in oblivion. In other words, everything that led up to here in this moment of your life and all your history will go into oblivion. Why? Because this is the moment you were born for. This is the moment you were brought into this world for. This is the moment that so many of your ancestors sacrificed for. Who knows? If this is not the exact moment and the exact reason that you showed up and became the queen. In other words, Mordechai is telling her, Esther, this is why you're here. Maybe till now you just thought that you were randomly chosen as the queen, even though you didn't want it. You didn't want to marry this Persian king. You were a nice Jewish girl. You didn't know how you ended up here. But this is your moment. And you're being afraid because who knows the king didn't invite you. This is your calling. And to see so many leaders, so many you know people, it's easy to call them tzaddikim, righteous people. But for me, they're normal people, regular people, good people. 
who suddenly at a moment realize why they're here. And they suddenly realize, yes, I have a, a, I could go to Israel, I could go to America, I could leave Ukraine. But I belong here. I am needed here. This is why Hashem placed me here. I was watching my, um, my cousin's husband, so the rabbi of Odessa, he was talking to the Israeli Knesset two days ago, obviously over Zoom. And he's sobbing as he's talking. He literally is like choking his tears as he's talking about a fellow colleague of his, another rabbi in a small town who literally doesn't have food for the orphans who's staying with him. My cousin and his wife, the two of them, run an orphanage for hundreds of kids across all ages, schools, shuls, have a massive empire. And at least in the short term, their empire is dissolving in front of their eyes. And yet all he could think about is, this is my orphans. These are my kids. Who's going to take care of them if my wife and I leave? He's an Israeli citizen. He could have left it to Israel a week ago. He could still make a plan somehow. But it's either with all the kids or he's not going. And I just think to myself and I say, you know, it's easy to say, gosh, I'm so different than these people. I can never find it within me. No, what these people have is an incredible why. They have an incredible purpose. And their purpose is much bigger than anything else. Their purpose is what drives them, what drove them to move to Ukraine in the first place and drives them to not leave because they are part and parcel of the community and the community needs them. So ask yourself a simple question as you watch these news, you know, and you pray from the other side of the world. Ask yourself, what's my conviction? Other than, you know, trying to make my life as comfortable and pleasant and safe as possible which is it's a good endeavor, but it's not a big reason to live just to stay safe. That's It's a necessary thing to stay alive. But if the purpose of my life is just to find peace and comfort, then what kind of purpose is that? We're not here for anything other than fulfilling our God's mission. God placed us here. And the first place to look, and when you're looking to find why am I here, is to look at the world around you, to look at the people around you, realize this is... It's my community, it's my family, it's my spouse, it's my children, it's my students. This is my purpose. This is me. That's what each and every one of us can look and see. What would you be willing to sacrifice your life for, is the question I ask. You see you know, leaders sacrificing themselves for the community. You see Ukrainian soldiers sacrificing themselves for their country. You see, you know, there's a reason why this last week has awakened a certain emotion in the world, especially in the West, that at least I haven't seen in a very long time. A sense of we know who we are now and we know what we're fighting for. We're fighting against tyranny. We're fighting against the old world order of, of just conquest. We're fighting against a bent view that says I can impose myself on others. So to see this last week, suddenly this awakening of, yes, people could stand for something. You know, in the last 20 years, you ask, I often would ask myself, what do we stand for? What does the West stand for? What does America stand for? What does Europe stand for? What, you know, what do we stand for? What does Africa stand for? And to suddenly see 
a big part of the world, not enough, but a big part of the world suddenly finding their backbone and suddenly realizing what they stand for. And sometimes the only way you figure out what you stand for is by discovering what you stand against, which is not ideal, but it's better than nothing. Ask yourself a simple question as an individual, not as a civilization, as a country. What do you stand for? What would you be willing to sacrifice? What drives you? This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. So as we watch in awe and we see the strength of good people, people who are fighting, people who are doing their best to not only survive, but to bring life and vitality to others, we ask ourselves that question, what am I fighting for? What's my ideals? What would I be willing to give up for? What drives me? What's bigger than my life? I'm not sure who said it, but I've heard the quote. If you have nothing you would die for, then you have nothing you're living for. What would you die for? Obviously, it's not about you know thinking of our death, but rather it's just a way of discovering what's, what's at our heart. What drives you more than anything else? Because sometimes we forget it. Sometimes our ideals that maybe were dominant in our teens and our early 20s, they, they get subsided. Life takes us over. Life's busyness, life's big stuff, small stuff, existence, you know, living, comfort. Those things take us over and we slowly lose... Um, We, they lose their they lose their flame that was flying so high. What's our flame? And at the same time, as we talk about this, we talk about an, uh, the other approach. We're in the month of Adar. We're about to enter the second month of Adar. Rosh Chodesh is tomorrow night, Wednesday night. When Adar comes, we have to add in joy. Literally, what does it mean to add in joy? To see joy as the approach that will help us tackle these issues. Simcha parrots together. Joy breaks through boundaries. Joy is not just a nice psychological mechanism. It actually brings a different energy into our world. Right now, our world is has a lot of negative energy. War, destruction, death. I was just reading now about... The, uh, literally just came through um, about what's going on in some of the cities, specifically in Kharkov, Kharkiv, etc. Literally, um, bomb, cities being bombed into oblivion. And every part of us wants to say, gosh, like, how can I be happy in this time? Joy doesn't mean I avoid the issues out there. Joy means I'm actually fully aware of the issues and I'm tackling it but I'm tackling it by bringing better energy into this world because this world has a lot of negative energy right now and a lot of sadness and a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness and a lot of evil. And what we could do is combat it, not by feeling sad, but by doing acts of goodness and kindness, by doing a mitzvah, by bringing light into this world and by bringing an attitude of joy because joy is literally a tool it's a tool against tyranny. It's a tool against energies in this world that are the opposite. True joy, not you know, 
just frivolousness or four, four bottles of whiskey. Joy as in I'm here for a reason. I have a purpose and I feel and I'm grateful for that. And I, I am more confident in who I am than these murderers are and what they're doing. Simcha. Simcha is an incredible power, especially this year. It's uh, two months of Adar, 60 days. It's the famous Jewish law that if a piece of meat falls into a pot of milk, if it's, if, and you know, technically you're not allowed to eat meat and milk together, according to Jewish law. But if the piece of meat is less than 160th of the milk, then batal b'shishim, it gets nullified in 60. And Labarach Rebbe always used to say that even if there's negativity in our world, when you have a year like this year, when you have 60 days of Adar, you can literally nullify the negativity of this world through joy. That if the pot of milk, in other words, if if the negativity is falling into a pot that's 60 times bigger, the joy is so intense and it's over a two-month period, we can fight this, we can annul this, we can remove this. So while we approach you know, these times in multiple ways, I, I ask you to say to Hillim, to give tzedakah, to give charity for people who are struggling. For, right now as we speak, there are many people, Jews and non-Jews, on the run, trying to save their lives. So while you're doing that, and you're, you're giving money, and you're sending your thoughts. Don't only send thoughts of compassion, which are important, also send thoughts of joy. Because literally joy breaks boundaries. Joy changes the energy of this world. We live in a physical world, so we can only see things in a physical sense. So you'll ask yourself a simple question. Okay, I'm gonna say a chapter of Tillim, I'm gonna bring joy in my life, so what? But the truth is that what we see is only the most external part of reality. Most of what happens in reality is in a deeper dimension. And in a deeper dimension, we're all interconnected. All humanity, all of the universe, it's all oneness. Right? We all, we're all part of one entity. From a scientific point of view, and definitely from a spiritual point of view, we're all part of godliness. And therefore, we can't, we can affect. I mean, even quantum physics has shown how two things could be very far apart but you touch one and the other one's totally affected because they're actually one, even though they seem apart. So in a physical sense, we're in South Africa or wherever else you're listening to this radio show and there's a war in Ukraine or there's people suffering in other parts of the world or even somebody suffering down, down the block of where you are. And you ask yourself, what could I do? Obviously, if you could do something in a physical way, that's priority. But beyond that, realize that we can actually change things through the power of our thoughts, the power of our words, the power of our actions. We can change the course of this world. We really can. And as we see this going on, let's not pick up our hands and feel helpless. Let us believe that we can make a difference. And then let's do it. And let's pray for this war to end. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. 
And I want to thank you for joining us today on this show and this Farbringen. I finish once again with a prayer. I'm actually going to say a chapter of Tehillim on the show for the Jews of the Ukraine, for all, for all good people, for all, all the citizens of Ukraine, for any one of us who's in a difficult time. May Hashem hear our prayers and, and may He bring brachot, blessings to all of us. Finish off the show with a beautiful song. It's in Hebrew. Dear God, I'm in your hands. Please give me all the blessings because ultimately it's only Hashem that runs this world. And we pray that he sends blessings and brachas to each and every one of us. Have a great day and thank you so much.